Welcome back to the show. Well, as 2023 comes to a close, we're looking back uh, at some of the biggest local stories for the past 12 months. Yesterday, we focused on the Fraser Valley, and I thought it was very important that we focused on Vancouver and Surrey as well. Combined, there's probably well over 1.2 million people that live uh, in both communities. Joining me now to talk a little bit about uh, the year that was in Vancouver politics. We'll talk a little bit about Surrey as well. Joining us now is Frances Bula. She's a political contributor for the Globe and Mail. Good afternoon, Frances. Hey, Jazz. Nice to be here. Nice to be, uh, nice to chat with you as well. Lots to talk about. I don't know where to start, to be honest with you. Let's uh, maybe start with uh, probably the last uh, uh, controversy of the year. That would be the Vancouver Park Board and City Council passing a motion that formally asked the province to, to dissolve the city's elected, elected park board. And of course, humongous pushback, not only from ABC councillors uh, on the park board, but past councillors as well. What, what's your take on all of that? Well, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of like my take on everything that's happening there. Uh, You know, it's all a bit confusing, like what's happening and why and who's really in control, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, this came, this move with the park board, even the councillors who are now supporting it, they didn't find out about it until the mayor had scheduled his news conference. You know, so it's not like he went to his caucus and said, here's what I'm thinking of doing. It was a very, I've had someone describe it to me as a very CEO type move, Um, you know, and I've seen this with people who go into politics from business. They don't quite grasp that government isn't really like their private company and they continue to sort of consult with a trusted group and, you know, okay, I've decided this is the way things in the company should go and they, they don't get the whole public engagement part necessarily so <laughs> well when you dissect it a little bit here um he's got uh, former colleagues or present colleagues who clearly do not trust him uh, those are the abc park board uh, commissioners uh you have i i believe one of the uh, the school board trustees who ran as an abc uh trustee but uh isn't an abc trustee but has been supporting abc motions on school board he's in support of keeping the park board and he's been propping up a lot of the decisions made by school board i mean they may have, abc may have lost um their majority not only at the park board but at the school board as well well, I mean, where, how does this end? I mean, I, I just can't see David Eby and the cabinet, NDP cabinet going, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with your mess rather than why don't you consult with First Nations communities and come back to us? It doesn't seem like this is going to be uh, decided and fixed anytime soon. No, I don't think the province is any in any rush, especially after the Surrey fiasco to just do whatever the latest council decides is you know, um, the, the the thing to do. So I think they're going to take their time and let things play out. And, um, you know, I had thought they might even say there, there needed to be a referendum on something like this, uh, which, you know, I, I think that possibly could, um, the, the mayor's point of view could prevail in a referendum. Like a lot of people don't really get park board. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, uh, we already only have 30 or 40 percent turnout, even for like city council. And then when it comes to park board, typically people just vote, you know, in the same pattern uh, that they voted for council, you know, whichever party they're supporting there. So it's not like they're they're supporting particular um 
commissioners because they admire their work or anything like that. It does tend to be on party lines. Mm-hmm. So, But I, my guess is that the province has put in enough conditions that this is just going to muddle along for a while. It's not going to happen instantly. Could you see this t- t- taking the entire term? Uh, possibly. Um, you know, they, I mean, the province has a lot of other things on its plate, and it doesn't need to get embroiled in something that clearly is, um, you know, whatever you think of Park Board. And a lot of people, there's very divided opinions about it, but a lot of people felt like the process wasn't handled very well. Mm -hmm. And you have a super motivated vocal group uh, that is consists of uh, people from complete opposite sides of the political spectrum who are saying, you know, it's an outrage and an affront to democracy and, you know, all the rest of it. So, um, you know, I think the province is going to let that all percolate for a while while they're, while they're dealing with, you know, quite frankly, much more serious issues. You yeah, know, absolutely. Medical stuff, toxic drug crisis, housing, you know, every other thing under the sun. Um, Park, yeah. Vancouver Park Board's not going to be the biggest priority. No. Uh, I, I, let's just touch on housing just for a second. Your thoughts on the two largest municipalities in British Columbia, Vancouver and Surrey. Um, how do you think, you have a sense of how these provincial legislations will play out in these respective communities, in this case Vancouver and Surrey? You know, I would love to know that. <laughs> Believe me, there's nobody want, who wants to know more than me, partly because I live 600 meters from a, uh, a new SkyTrain station on Broadway. Mm. Um, and I am not clear, and I don't think anybody in the cities is clear. Like, uh, you know, what conditions do they still get to impose on housing? Can they set, you know, what kind of protections can they put in for renters? Because typically that's negotiated when you do a rezoning. But if the, if the province is saying, no, no rezoning, this is just what's allowed within uh, X number of meters, well, how does the city negotiate that? Mm. And can you put in design guidelines? You know, Vancouver's always had a policy that, you know, you have to have 80-foot separation between towers and, you know, certain guidelines to try to make even taller buildings, you know, more neighborly and fit in at the ground plane. It's actually been quite nice compared to Burnaby, where they just let anyone put up any concrete chunk of whatever along the Lougheed Highway, and, you know, whether anyone can walk on the street next to it is, you know, pure chance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, Vancouver's always had pretty sophisticated design guidelines, and will those be still in place and what overrides what like that's really unclear and to tell you the truth everything i hear from planners in the background is they're all running around themselves trying to understand what does the city still get to control mm-hmm. uh, e- even with the provincial legislation saying you have to allow for a lot more density you know uh, here there and and, and in this in yeah. this other place. I was just reading some analysis by the city of uh, uh, Richmond. It was a public document, and uh, the, the, what they wrote in their analysis is pretty much how you described it. Everybody is running around trying to figure this out. But let's get to Vancouver, back to Vancouver just for a second. When we talked about the park board a little bit, you've got the dismantling of the East uh, Hastings encampment. There's, of course, still conversation around the Stanley Park bike lane. Uh, of course, the, the Stanley Park train as well, up and running during Christmas. But that's been an ongoing 
wrestling issue as well. Do you think Ken Sim has been able to define himself or is he – They just seem incredibly unorganized over there. Maybe it's my sense. I I could be completely wrong here. But my sense from the city so far is they haven't really, you know, they they haven't found their feet yet. They don't don't seem grounded in regards to running civic government. Am I wrong here? You and I have talked about this before. And, yeah, I find that they're having a hard time steering their ship. You know, there's been incredible changeover in the mayor's office. Uh, You know, I I can't remember... you know, two or three chiefs of staff, um, two or three comms people who've come and gone. And, um, and, and then what's really interesting to me, like I've always known every chief of staff with every, uh, with every mayor. They're mm-hmm. usually really strong characters. They're like the vice principal of the high school, right? They keep things going while the, the other guy's out front. Yeah. And we don't really know who these people are. Like, um, uh, uh, the, the the mayor's special advisor, David Grewal, who's paid $135,000 a year, doesn't speak to the media. Um, we have no idea what kind of advice he might be giving. Um, Trevor Ford is a little bit more, you know, communicative. But again, it's people with not a lot of experience in civic government or any level of government, really. They're more like campaigners or business people or whatever. And I just don't get the sense of a really coordinated cohesive team uh, in the way that whatever you thought of Gregor Robertson, he had a really tight team. He kept his caucus together and they had big fights in the background, yeah. you know, but he, he kept that together and you're not seeing that here. Like you're seeing these little cracks. Um, obviously the park board is a really big crack. Um, and then it's hard to tell what is the image? What is he trying to project? Because, you know, it's sort of, we want to treat, homeless people with compassion, and that's why we're hiring nurses, but we're going to kick them all off Hastings Street. Uh, Or, you know, there's these kind of contradictory vibes (laughs) that are coming out of the office. I I agree with you. I got that sense of Gregor Robertson, Philip Owen, uh, Larry Campbell. They had staff behind them who you could talk to. You just didn't get it. You got a sense of at least, okay, this is why they're making the decisions they're making. You're not getting the sense this is a mature political machine, and that's the core issue. No, a mature political machine, that's that's a good description of it. Yeah, no, I don't, there's no sense that these people have experience or understand really how city halls or, or kind of municipal politics works. Like, even though Larry Campbell at the head of COPE, like, COPE split very early. Mm-hmm. You know, Ken's ABC team is starting to emulate that in, in some ways, but they had super strong staff. I mean, Jeff Meggs was his chief of staff, and he had Vanessa Geary doing housing policy, and he had a strong communications team and all the rest of it. This is just kind of all over the place. They're floundering. They really are. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us, we are speaking to Frances Buell. She's a political contributor for the Globe and Mail. We're talking about Vancouver civic politics. We're going to spend a couple of minutes talking about Surrey for a moment. Uh, Frances, uh, earlier today, I tweeted out a couple of pictures I got my hands on. It's a, it's a mailer that's going out to Surrey uh, homeowners and businesses, which says stop the NDP Surrey tax. So basically, uh, they're saying that any property tax increase or significant property tax increase, which many expect uh, Surrey residents will see very soon, 
soon for next year. That can all be blamed on the NDP, the provincial NDP. Uh, what do you make about this uh, policing issue? Do you think it's just a question of the provincial government throwing in a little bit more money and this will be dealt with, or do you think this is going to continue for a while? I don't know. This is starting to feel like a grudge match, you know, um, that uh, it's, it's, it just sort of doesn't matter because uh, Mayor Locke, for, uh, just doesn't like anything the provincial government is doing. Like she's also now scrapping with them over school sites or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I'm not sure anymore uh, what the rationale is. And with the police thing, you know, it actually none of it makes any sense anymore to anybody. It's there. There are arguments on both sides for keeping the RCMP or having a municipal force. But I don't think anyone's listening to those anymore. It's sort of turned into my team against your team thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah. And the decisions have been made and the legislation has been brought in. And yes, you can hire lawyers. You can challenge it, uh, all of those types of things. My argument is, well, if you're trying to squeeze a few more dollars, we'll sit down with the government and squeeze some more dollars out of them. And look, let's have this conversation. But I'm not sure how this over the long term is remotely going to be successful in regard to stopping SPS, the Surrey Police Service. Yeah, no, it's hard to see, and I'm not sure what the long-term political uh, uh, game plan is. Is it, uh, you know, people setting up to run for the BC United Party? Uh, You know, I don't know what, because, yeah, this kind of combativeness in public is very unusual, and it doesn't seem to be about negotiating. No. You know, because as you say, if it was about negotiating, there's ways and ways of doing it. It's more like a bombing campaign or something like that. So... Um, I think it's going to continue. I mean, I think the, I don't think the NDP want to see the attacks, obviously, as they head into a provincial election, and Surrey mm. matters in a significant way. But if you look at the polling, they're going to do fine in Surrey. I mean, I think the, yeah. if the BC Liberal or BC United managed to hold on to the two seats that they have right now, looking at where they're in the polls, I think they'd be happy. Uh, I'm not sure they're going to be making any, uh, you know, uh, big changes there. there. There's some challenges no, they have in the No, they're in a very sweet spot because the right is divided. You know, yeah. and and it doesn't necessarily mean that people think the NDP is doing everything fabulous, but but the the opposition vote is is divided for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, overall, the issue of of the year for you, what would it, what would it be? It doesn't have to be Vancouver, sorry, is housing sort of the number one issue in regards to what the provincial government has done and the potential impact it could have? I mean, I think what the province is doing, uh, and we'll see if this turns into the fast ferries or the greatest thing since sliced bread, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they are taking amazing action on housing or they're, you know, they're they're bringing in like unbelievably uh, radical changes. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, which and I, you know, I think they're really hoping that that it's going to make a difference, even in a fairly short time, if they can kind of limit how much, um, how many units are rented out short term or you know used by vacationers or whatever, in the short term and then in the long term have a lot of you know new housing on the horizon. Uh, it, it's really stunning, actually, uh, when you when you look at the, the scope of changes. Like, because I follow housing in every state and all across the provinces, and there's nobody else doing anything quite this aggressive, with the possible exception of California. But their their laws are so different there, and there there's so many workarounds and things like that. Like, really, BC is 
they, like David Eby has just pulled, and Ravi Callan have pulled out everything in the policy book from around the world that they think might work, and they're throwing it at the wall, and it's sort of amazing. And really, the municipalities are now in reaction mode uh, no, more than anything. I agree with you. I've had Eric Woodward on. I've talked to all, a lot of the mayors on this show. I'm the premier sitting right across from where I'm sitting right now in the studio, and he said exactly that we have to take big swings. And boy, are they taking big swings! And I congratulate that for them. It may they may all the legislation may not stick, but it's exactly where I think the public want to see. Questions. How will they implement it? And that's where I think the public remains skeptical at this particular point. But taking big swings, I think they're doing it, that's for sure. Francis, we run out of time. Uh, if I don't speak to you, Merry well, Christmas, Happy so New Year to you. It's we'll always, see what happens next year. Oh, it'll be a busy year, that's for sure. Merry yeah. Christmas to you. Yeah, you too.